And then the Rams start going on about, we'll be wearing throwback jerseys in the Super Bowl. So what, your current strips are shite. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the NFL Scotland podcast. It's on to the big one as we look ahead to a thrilling Super Bowl 53. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell, the oldest quarterback up against the youngest head coach in the NFL. But I'm still not over the controversy of Championship Sunday. We'll be discussing all the talking points ahead of the big finale, sharing who we think will win, and we'll be telling you how you can win £100 and an exclusive NFL Scotland hoodie thanks to the great people at McBookie. And we'll round things off with some news items which have got our attention this week, including a personal milestone and Scotland's favourite Super Bowl snack and more. And to help us do all of the above, we're delighted to be joined once again by Sky Sports News reporter and Green Bay Packer fan, Charles Patterson. (laughs) Thank you very much. Charles, good to have you along, but some sad news we've got to start with. We have a missing person alert. Uh, Have you seen Roger? And can you help us find him? He went missing just before midnight, UK time on Sunday the 20th of January. He's believed not to be in Louisiana. He's believed to be in a state of confusion and wishes not to be found. However, <laughs> the commissioner finally turned up today and we'll be talking about some mm. of the nonsense he had to say. So, Paul, I feel like we just need to address the elephant in the room because we're getting the impression you're not quite over the, the events of now near two weeks ago um, with the New Orleans Saints being robbed, <laughs> as the billboards say, across Atlanta. <laughs> And the billboards are right. Um, I think you've got to look at this, and and if you look at it from a professional point of view, from a league point of view, and and we joked there about Roger Goodell, but that's an absolute travesty that the commissioner of the league has hidden for so long and then only comes out in Atlanta when nothing can be done about it and he gets tossed a few softball questions. It's an utter, utter joke. Um... Speaking of people in New Orleans, they're obviously very frustrated, they're very annoyed, but I'll go on what I said again last week, there is to be no replay of the game, there was never any question of that. What you needed was Roger Goodell to come out, and he has come out today and said the call was wrong, that the Saints should have got the call. Well, whoopee, congratulations, but you've come out and said that, you've already fined the guy, but you've not admitted that there was a problem before you find Nick or Robbie Coleman. They find him about $27,000. Yeah. Michael Thomas got fined more for hiding a phone in a goalpost and bringing it out and making a call as a tribute in the Superdome. Now, somebody got, whether you like it or not, somebody got tattooed by a helmet. But what you're saying is actually it's more dangerous. It must be the because it was an older style phone, it was a flip phone. <laughs> uh, it must be the airwaves, the radiation around these phones are much more dangerous to players. So the NFL were just trying to be responsible. I am not over this. I think this is an utter joke. And if Goodell had come out on the Sunday night and said, look, we got that wrong. Now, I did explain last week, he probably couldn't because of legal action. But he had to be out before now, the Invisible Man. If you ever watch the American programme PTI with Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilborn, they've done a brilliant thing. You know, this is day six. Where's Roger? And they just did an update every day. Um... Yeah, it's, it's a question of where's Wally, and Wally's finally appeared. Um, he's not going to be welcome in New Orleans in a long time. But I'm going to close the rant um, with a tweet that went out from David Romero, who does the Best Saints podcast in the States going. And David put, email or tweet your most outrageous solution or compensation for the NFL missing the call. Now, the winner to me is Chester A. Taylor. So he suggests that Goodell is forced to resign, 
personally reimburse every Saints season ticket holder from his personal bank account, plus drink from a standing water puddle on Bourbon Street during Mardi Gras <laughs> while wearing a black and gold tutu. <laughs> and you think I've gone too far. Uh, yeah, that standard water's disgusting. It We've is. seen it, yeah. Do you think you're over it now? No, I'm not. I'm <laughs> or genuinely when do you think not. you will become over it? I'll be over it. You know what triggered me again was seeing a picture of the officiating replay booth in the Atlanta Stadium, and you can see Rams painted in the end zone. No, I'm not over this. I think, mm. and and let's go back for people who might not have heard last week. I don't want the game replayed. The call stands. That's fair enough. There were calls for both teams that didn't go either way. So, and if it's the first quarter that this happens, you get over it. Basic bottom line, Saints got the ball with 5.43 to go. They managed it in a professional way, basically to kick a field goal and win the game and see, and time would have expired. They did everything right in that sequence to get to that point. Some of the play calling was dodgy, I'll accept that. But the bottom line is when that pass was thrown, they were in a perfect state to win that game with a 95-97% probability rating um, so no I'm not over it <laughs> I've really hated seeing all the slurping of Sean McVay who's a talented coach who uses way too much hair gel for anybody's good I've just genuinely had enough of it the Rams simply based on that do not deserve to be there now I will concede they won the overtime they won the game so in that sense, they do. But if the call had been made, now everybody's seen it. You know, I showed it to a friend of mine who's got no knowledge with American football, and he went, "What? That's not a foul. What kind of sport is that?" You know it. I know it. Everybody in the stadium know it. Everybody in America knew it. Brilliant numbers for for both games in the states and on Sky. Everybody knew it. And the Saints had managed it properly. I'll argue with anybody that what went before, what happened afterwards, the Saints should be in the Super Bowl. Drew Brees is a classier guy than me. We probably knew that anyway. Um, <laughs> he came out on Instagram and he talked about the hurt that they felt. And these players have worked so damn hard. I mean, the fans, I mean, we're fans. You know, that that's one thing. But these players have worked hard. That's been their goal all year long to get to the Super Bowl. And it's been snatched away from them, I think. Um, and I would like to leave the last word in this rant to Cam Jordan, who wore a T-shirt to the Pro Bowl that simply said, blow whistles, not games. Cam, I'm with you. <laughs> He's not going to be with this Cam in a minute because <sighs> there's no way I'm letting that be the final word on this. I'm going to trigger him one more time because, Charles, I posted him into a little um, tweet earlier. In fact, it was yesterday. Um, and I need to get your thoughts on this because Nico Robbie Coleman is the perfect segue from this game into the Super Bowl. Mm. Nico Robbie Coleman, an article on Bleacher Report NFL, regrets nothing about his in infamous hit in the NFC Championship game. And the pool quote reads... I put his ass on a Waffle House frying pan. Paul. Well, two things. One, <laughs> he's absolutely right not to regret it because he got away with it and he's got his team to the Super Bowl. So mm. on that level, he's absolutely right. On the real level, he's a complete arse and I hope he gets banjoed in the game. <laughs> well, he made a complete arse of himself again. But he this did. is where the yeah. segue comes yeah. in because he came out and we're now on to the Super Bowl. Right, That championship Sunday's done. Right, Party. It's in the can. Forever. We'll, we'll maybe Ever. pick it up in the post. No, we'll try not to. But, we'll, you know, it's done. So, 
Obviously, this is media week and we've had the chat start already. And I'm bored of so much of this already. But to be fair to him, he gave us a controversial start. He came out and said that age has clearly got to Tom Brady's game. Now, if there's something that you've learned is when you've just blown and panicked and potentially lost your team the championship game, but you got away with it, you don't really want to be coming out and having a pop at the greatest quarterback of all time. No, it's not a good idea. And and he Brady looks more relaxed this week than he probably has been in in eons. I mean, they've been saying for the last four or five weeks, people write us off, we suck, this, that, and the other. And then uh, and there was a there's a great clip I saw online of the segmented bits of various pundits writing them off at various points through November and December, and it was all clipped up in a, about a minute. And then there was this wonderful montage of Brady doing his thing at Arrowhead. And you just know what he's going to do this week, but the the big the big thing you do, you must not do is wind him up <laughs> or annoy him. And so this this young lad, well, Mister Mister Ruby Coleman, honestly, now he I has, think he's he, you would you would have thought he would want to keep his mouth shut this yes. week after what happened last week. And he's <laughs> he's now retracted it, but it's one of those ones where clearly someone's had a word in his ear and said. You don't want to be saying stuff like that because his retracted comment was that he apparently said that the only thing that's changed about Brady's game since he was 24 is his age, which is the most non-point ever you could make. So why would you ever say... That's a fudge. Yeah, yeah. It's totally. So, I mean, honestly, you can hear the beeping reverse and lights on that one. I, I, don't, I don't even think, though, that, that anyone connected with New England, or Brady for that matter, will care about what he says because no. they've, achieved, they've all achieved far more than what Roby Coleman's done in his career. I mean, he's a young guy and he's fair enough he's at the Super Bowl, but at the moment his only achievement is to be notorious for one hit. Exactly. Now, he's got a future career as a statement writer in Scottish football. <laughs> <laughs> because he's Jim just, Trainer will be in touch with him he, momentarily. He's, he's obviously got that gift. But yeah, I mean, if I'm his teammate, I'm like, come on, are, are you kidding me? T- picking on Tom Brady? You may as well say something bad about Billy... Belichick's mother. If you're Sean, yeah. if you're Sean McVay, you park them on the bench for the first series when they're on the defence to, to to basically sh- that would that would be what Belichick would do. That would if if one of his players came out and said stuff like that. And if I you're think, Sean McVay, you're sitting there thinking, honestly, we do not need this. You would, you would. I think the only concern with that with the the Rams secondary is both Talib and Peters are bigger back, mm-hmm. so someone like Edelman could just absolutely destroy them. Obviously, he's snake hips Edelman, and that's what he does. He cuts inside, he makes space. So Roby Coleman's got a big part to play. Yeah. That safety position's huge. And I think even more so that's why you don't run off your mouth because you're just asking for trouble. Because th- if there's a team that can make you look stupid, it's absolutely the, the New England Patriots. Now, I'm going to bring yeah, it back just, to... Just before yeah. you go, I think Charles is right, actually, but I would do it for a different reason. I would sit I would sit him for the first series mm. if I'm Sean McVeigh. Because if I'm Bill Belichick, the likelihood is the first pass you're going is you're going straight <laughs> yeah. after him. Yeah. So to take that away, I'd take him out of the game because you might be outfoxing Bill Belichick. So and you're absolutely right. But that's what I do. I'd, I'd try and psych out the Patriots because they must, the, the first chance they get, they are going to go downtown on him. And, and let's be honest, to psych out the Patriots is no easy feat to do. Um, going to come back to another point you made, though, and it's this rhetoric, and anyone that was at the NFL live event, NFL Scotland live event that we did at the Golf Tavern, uh, would have heard me rant about this one. It's this rhetoric about, oh, bet against us, oh, you know, 
Oh, that, that started you on a run. Oh, honestly, so, and that not is quite still, to the to the extent. No, no, no. I can't. Some, <laughs> some, can't. Can be, some people are professional that, at this stuff. Yeah, you were you you were you have were slightly cheesed off about that. It's just you? a terrible rhetoric. It's just boring. And there's every year there's a team lays this on thick. It's been the Seahawks for the last couple of years. Everybody doubted us. Nobody's doubting you. You've repeatedly done this. You've constantly been a winning team. Nobody's doubting you. People might want you to lose. People might say, do you know what? There's going to come a point where the slide's going to come because it is because he's not invincible. Um, and people are hoping that that's now. And maybe they didn't have such a good season. By his own standards, compared to the last two seasons, he's not done as well um, when it comes to stats and things like that. But fine, whatever. But nobody's actually doubting you and just to highlight this I'm going to give you some stats and there's loads of them bouncing around but there's a couple that really jumped out at me that I thought was fascinating so Super Bowl 53 is Tom Brady's 40th postseason start that's more playoff game appearances than 18 of the 32 NFL franchises have had in the postseason that's amazing isn't it it's frightening that is absolutely frightening that includes the Bears who have played 36 playoff games ever wow so Brady's played more playoff games than the Bears. Well, it's, anyway, it's two, it's two and a half seasons in the playoffs, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's, so. un, it's unreal. He's passed for 73 touchdowns in the playoffs, so he's number one overall. Number two is Joe Montana, who got 45. So he's miles ahead. The next closest active quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, who's got 36. So again, nowhere near. No one's getting near him. Obviously, his ninth Super Bowl, the most that anyone else has got to his five. Uh, and that was Denver Broncos, John Elway. John Elway. Um, and then Brady threw his latest playoff touchdown pass to Philip Dorsett at the end of the first half in the AFC Championship game. Dorsett was nine when Brady won their first Super Bowl. And it's just stuff like that. You're just like, this is absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. The longevity is amazing and he looks great. It's not like he is... And I think this is where people have, you know, well, he can't do it, he can't do it. It's not like he's hobbling around there, you know, the, the final... Act of a gunslinger, you could see him going for another two or three years yeah. if he's fit well, he, and healthy. Because he stays on his feet, because they've built a system whereby he's not getting hit 30, 40, 50 times a season and he gets the ball out so quickly, that's where the longevity comes from. And he's, he's got, if when you have that computer like brain, yeah. And but ultimately it comes down to the coaching, the evolution of how, I mean, how many different teams has he played in? He's played in probably six or seven different evolutions of that of that team from one that was up and coming to the one that was dominant when they won two years in a row to the one with Moss yeah to the what you know and then the, the, there was a couple of great defenses in there as well and then there was that kind of little down period and then you know and the, the, the two the two final the two NFL um, kind of upsets the biggest upsets when they lost to the Giants um and the Seahawks, and was the, the, the Seahawks yeah. was it was handed on a plate, but again, those were different teams. So he's not exactly been playing every year with a team that's been number one in offense or number one in, in defense. And that's where all the credit goes to Belichick because he's managed to evolve the team every year to you know to, to give him a supporting cast. It's also helped that the AFC East has been absolutely dreadful for twenty years as well. Yeah. So they've, they've had a walk. They've had a walk in. To, to a, t- a division title pretty much every year. See, that's been one of the biggest <laughs> mysteries for me is how in that time that one of these other three teams has been unable to build. Now, if you're going in, say, to coach the Buffalo Bills mm. for an interview, you're saying, look, while New England have got Brady, 
we ain't winning the division unless we build something special. So here's my plan. We're going to do this year one, this year two, this year three. Stick with me. This is our plan. And they've been able to do yeah, that. The only team that came close with the Jets. At that point but, when hilariously Sanchez was the quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they were the only team that looked like they would have some cohesion. And Miami haven't had a quarterback in 30, 25 years. Yeah. But that looks it's like extraordinary, it was though. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's worked out so well for them. And you talk, you talk about this this dynasty, but at the same time, there has been a bit of helping hand in the, their own division because they've essentially had a walkover yeah. into the into the playoffs every year. And after that, it's a case of big game mentality, and we all know what that where where he gets that. And it comes back to another point you've made. We're already Brady this week. Just looks cool. He's, do you know what? Yeah. He's, and I think for me, isn't it? it's yeah. one of the biggest differences between the two teams coming into this game. Jared Goff and Sean McVay are coming in doing this for the first time ever. They're going to have the excitement, the buzz, the nervousness, the, the big stage. How will they do? Tom knows how he'll do. Bill knows what he's going to do. And they've been here before. They're not going to be overwhelmed by anything in this. The, the, the really interesting thing for me, and I read something this morning saying that there's more pressure on New England than there is on the LA because of what happened last year. Now, you could argue that they, what, last year was the same scenario as this year. You had Philadelphia coming in there and beating the Super Bowl for over a decade, and they had the backup quarterback. And Brady and, and New England were there before, and he was relaxed, and then, you know, they were the favourites. And, and then look what happened. And Foles was, Foles was more relaxed than Brady, and they, and they deservedly won it. Yeah. So I... I, I don't, I don't think I agree with the notion that there's more pressure on New England, but I think everyone expects New England to win it this week. I don't think anyone yeah. really who knows their football would expect LA to win this week. Which again undermines the whole everyone's against us right. thing, because there isn't any. And I, I mean, the bookie spread at the moment is it's a 2.5 point differential in favour of New England. So it's not massive. Mm. It isn't massive. Um, but, you know, this is a very good LA Rams team. The, on paper... If you look at the superstars on both both teams, on paper there's more there's better players in the Rams squad. Yes, on both sides. Yeah, and it brings me around to a, another point of this because this is another thing. After the uh, the championship game against the the Chiefs, I'm not sure. I think it's is it Brady speaking to Hogan, and they're they're in the middle of the pitch and the audio's on them. And they're going, "We've got no weapons. We've got no talent." Now. I think, you know, looking at this, he does have talent. Of course he does. These guys are not a bunch of bumps. You know, these are good wide receivers. What they've not got, and I still think they don't have as a receiver, as a five-star receiver. You look at the Saints and you've got Michael Thomas. You know, you look at the the Rams, they've not necessarily got the five-star receiver, but they've got the five-star running back. I don't think there's any five-star player now on that team. Gronk, maybe you could make an argument for. But what they've got is a bunch of really good four and three-star players. What they've not had to do is then undermine that by putting in a bunch of bums that aren't really capable of anything that you know, do you know what, I can pretty much leave him to himself because, fine, he might do the odd thing here and there, but he's not that dangerous. Everybody on that Patriots team is dangerous. Everyone can make space, everyone can catch a ball. And ultimately, if you can do those two things and you've got a great quarterback thrown to you, you don't need a five-star player. And I think the whole Patriot build has been around that. Belichick's got it right. Because when they line up and they put out four receivers, who do you mark? Because you know it could go to any of them. If you're doing the same thing against the Saints, fine, you mark them all, but you're definitely putting your best player on Michael Thomas because he's the most likely to be receiving the ball, and you've seen that. 
So you, you eliminate double, you just double them, which is what absolutely you eliminate that risk. Yeah. You put the threat on the quarterback. The quarterback's then looking for other options. They're going to plan B. It was because they what happened in the championship game. Obviously, they double Hill all night, um, and because of I know you wanted three catches all night. Yeah. and they, they they were doubling Kelsey at times as well and I think Sammy Watkins had the most yards all night <laughs> but that basically I mean he, they knew that they were going to do that on the, probably the Tuesday before the game yeah. and because of that if you've got it's almost some, it's actually almost sometimes a disadvantage to have a superstar or two yes. one, even maybe two if you've not got a multitude of weapons like New England do have I mean they, they produce wide receivers out of drawers and people don't even exist and they and the, 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 I think it's extraordinary how they go out there. They get guys who are sitting on the bench, sitting at home, eating chips on the on the couch, and they get these guys in and they do a job for them. It's, you've seen it time and time again, and that is good coaching. Yes, that is player management, getting them into the system, and it's not rocket science. See, I, I think this is where fantasy football comes in and obscures the actual mm. pure game because. People get caught up, and a lot of people, and I love fantasy football. You wouldn't be picking many Patriots to be on your fantasy no. football team. You go for, you know, Woods, Gurley, etc., etc. Edelman would get a wee look in somewhere yeah. eventually. But there's not that pickup because they are not full of superstars. And I think, you know, the NFL Network's guilty of this. It's, it's almost a shiny new thing, you know. Mm. So you look at all these wonderful superstars because that is what television tells you people want to hear about. You know, they don't necessarily want to hear about the workmanlike wide receiver three for the New England Patriots, who Bill Belichick probably adores because that's not a sexy story. So you get all this highfalutin stuff from television, from fantasy, and then you just watch the sheer efficiency of the New England Patriots coming through. I'll pick you up on one thing. I think there is a swell against the Patriots. But I think we had that last year yep. and the year yeah. before. Well, I think it's, it's not because they're dipping in form or people believe they're not particularly good. It's people are genuinely fed up yes. of the Patriots being there. I did it's ask. It's not I, I yeah. asked at the tavern, said, is there anyone in the room who wants them to win? Yeah. And there was, I think, two people who stuck <laughs> two their Patriots hands fans. <laughs> That was it. I mean, that yes... I think that's the difference. There's people who don't want them to win. There's yep. people who want them to fail. Is there people who think they're definitely going to? I'm less convinced of that. I think you're right. People, we love debating, right? Mm. Sports fans love a debate. You know, in Scottish football, Rangers and Celtics debate, lower level Hearts and Hibs will debate. You need that debate. There's numbers here, there's numbers there. You can spin it that way, you can spin it that way. The more the Patriots win, the more it's the same people keep winning, the less of the conversation becomes about the best because it's, there's no conversation. Um, and I think, you know, there's almost that, the hope that Breeze makes it there because to your point that you've made previously, Breeze versus Brady is an exciting uh, Super Bowl where, he, you know, if Breeze goes on and wins it, then, oh, do you know what, that's like, Luke, you know, Breeze really stuck it to him there. You can start talking about Breeze. You know, they came head to head once and he won. That gives you a conversation. It gives you something to debate. The more that they keep winning, the more that Brady keeps doing it, it's it's a, it's a non conversation. It's oh, who's the greatest ever? It's Tom Brady, right, done. Who's the greatest coach? Belichick, right, okay. Mm. Yeah, who's, who's right. next? Who's getting the shots in? You know, let's let's do something else. Um, and I think that the fans are bored. I, I must admit, and uh, you're going to ask for predictions, and I'll give you a scoreline later, but it will come as utterly no surprise that for the first time ever, that I mean, I've got the Patriots gear ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's another matter, though. That is another matter. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I mean, I've always loved Tom Brady. I've always loved Bill Belichick. They're just heroes of mine. You, you um, and you and Melvin Gordon are in the same camp. Yeah, this week. I, yes. absolutely. I mean, I'll tell you how bad it was. I've been, I've been to. I mean, I love Boston as a city. It's one of the best cities in North America, without any doubt. We found ourselves out at Gillette Stadium. So you know, my son and I, we had a look because you can see in the gates and things like that. We would not go into the shop. Because we didn't want anything with the New England Patriots mm. on it. Because it's that mentality. And the shop was huge, it has to be said. Uh, I mean, I've been in the Cowboys shop when I've been there. I've been in other team shops. I didn't want to go into the New England shop. But I have to say, I've seen the light. And um, I love the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting. I ain't seen someone flip over like that. Um, I've gone to the dark they could side. Be your AFC team. Yeah, that, yeah. I've, I've been seduced by the dark side here. So I'm coming back to some stats because there's a, the one thing I love about the NFL is the fact that so often it comes down to this, and it feels like it's written like a Hollywood script. You know, there's so many things come around that you're like, that's been written in a in a writing room somewhere. Okay, I'll stop you just before right. you do that because I'll give you another rant. Okay. Uh, Sorry, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this concerns broadcasters. See if any commentator ever says, Oh, you couldn't make that up. Uh, yeah. Now, have you ever seen Star Trek? Which one? Doesn't matter anyone. Many, ever, many, yeah, yeah. many times, yes. Now, that's not real. <laughs> that's been made up okay just to let you know that now we can imagine travelling billions of light years in spaceships that run off carbon free fossil fuel chips whatever yeah. we can imagine anything in sport please commentator stop saying you can't make this up because you can okay people are paid to do that End of rant. I, I, I just in rant mode. Uh, point taken. Uh, so, a couple of coincidences for you guys, uh, believe it or not. Um, first up, um, obviously, these sides met Super Bowl 36, which was mm. Tom Brady's first Super Bowl, which was played on Sunday, February 3rd. Spooky. As is 53. It was played at an NFC South stadium. It was played in New Orleans. Absolutely. Of course, they're Atlanta. Uh, Patriots' first ever win in the Super Bowl. They finished that season 11-5. and they finished this season 11-5. and five. Now, the Rams were favourites by 14 points in that one as well. And Tom Brady, first one, led them to the Super Bowl. Uh, other things that we can connect to that, Patriots got to the final in a controversial way. Famous tuck game, of course, with the oh, tuck rule. In the snow. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, that was clearly a, a, a fumble, forced fumble by Charles Woodson, recovered by the Raiders, but the rules of the time said, said nope, it's not. John Gruden not. was coaching the Raiders as well. John Gruden <laughs> was coaching the Raiders. So there's a lot of things now, to I should, I should point here. out that the call was correct. At the time, yes. At the time it was correct. Now... <laughs> oh god sorry you guys didn't even see that line no you didn't you didn't see that coming did you now if you're a Rams fan though the one thing that you're looking for is potentially revenge now this is all very allegedly but we've heard about Spikey it's obviously come to the fore in the UK because of Leeds United and what they've been up to but the original Spikey obviously the Patriots were heavily fined for filming the uh, New York Jets session but there was rumours and stories and the Boston Herald ran a story that there was um, actually footage taken uh, the Jets one was 2008 but there was apparently rumours that there was videos of 2002 and footage of the Rams walkthrough before the Super Bowl was taken now the Boston Herald had to retract that because someone came out and said no there was Patriots people in the stadium setting up cameras but no footage was ever taken 
However, we've got a long list of Patriots up to shenanigans. So, yeah. Who knows what they're up to this Who week? Who knows? Maybe the Rams have got that in their not, back not pocket. Not that we want to be implying anything. No, no, no. 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 It's mean, all very allegedly. All very allegedly. <laughs> there, there was a great sign on a, on a roadside in Texas. You know, one of these signs that go over the motorway. Yes, yes. If your tyres are as flat as a Patriots football, <laughs> get them checked. You think, yeah, we can go with that. Um, if you're a Rams fan, though, you're looking for hope. If the Patriots win, they would be only the second ever Super Bowl winner to have a regular season losing record on the road. The Green Bay Packers in 2010, the only team to have a losing record on the road and win the Super Bowl. So it's not impossible, but you know, if you're looking for glimmers of light, that's maybe just about it. Not that it's really bothered them, I don't think, to no. be honest. No. And it's. You know, and one of those losses was in Miami where the ball was flipped about 17 times. <laughs> and Gronkowski yes. was. Playing, playing yes, safety. For he some was reason. modelling for his statue outside Gillette Stadium. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, there's things are going. I, I mean, that's what I love. You know, I, I ranted when commentators talk about you can't make this stuff up, which you can. But I do love all these coincidences mm, yeah. of people going back. I remember watching that game, and um, it was not long after I really got into um, the kind of the depth of the NFL and the depth of the the passion of the game and the the fact that anyone could win and New England were written off at the start of the season um, as when, especially when Brady had to take over from Bledsoe and suddenly they just came through I remember them coming through like on the ropes on, on the rails um, into the second seat and then I remember that game in the snow against Oakland and um I had a bit of a soft spot for Oakland at the time because Rich Gannon was throwing it all over the place. Yeah, he was. Funny. And there were um, and there were some very unhappy people, I think, connected with Oakland after that game. And I remember when they got to that Super Bowl, people were saying, "Who are these guys? And who's Tom Brady?" Yeah. And the other thing I remember about that was the professionalism of Bledsoe talking that week about how good a guy Brady was. And it was only that week really that people started realizing this guy was picking the seventh round. <laughs> and look what happened next. So. Yeah. It's amazing how the passage of time has got to this point. And, and, and Bledsoe obviously saw the talent. I mean, he, he was a classy quarterback, as mm-hmm. it was. He obviously knew that the second he went out injured, he was done yeah. in New England because he knew what was behind him. Because he would have seen it in training. He would have seen it. Players know other players, by and large. I mean, that's, that's true in football. You can't really kid the guys who, that you're training with every single day. And I think that's why he decided to go down that route because I think he realised that if he hadn't have been given him the big up, that he was going to be made to look foolish in years to come if Brady went through injury-free and he is the greatest of all time, there's no doubt about that, um, in terms of longevity and winning. Would you take a different quarterback to try and win you a game in the last year? It's the old, which quarterback would you take in the last two minutes to go down the field and win you a game? I'd take Joe Montana, because that's that's the guy I sort of grew up watching yeah. and, and idolised. But Brady, he just does it with a minimum of fuss. Yeah, that that game-winning drive again when they you show it on repeat, you, they show it all every year that the New England are back in the Super Bowl. And even then, that year he didn't have a starry receiver. There was there was a num- number of guys who were playing at running back, and it was it was it's, it was that kind of collective strength of unit yeah. like they've got this year. So the same formula has been there ever since, and the only time. He's had, we go back to the, the receivers and the fact that you talk about the fantasy football and the idea of the starry player. The only time he's had a starry receiver was Randy Moss. Yeah. 
and they didn't win the Super Bowl. Yeah, bizarrely. <laughs> yeah. So, which comes back to the point when you've got I mean, Gronkowski, perhaps. Yeah. Gronkowski, you know, is a different kind of kettle of fish. He's probably the greatest tight end out there, but and they've won Super Bowls with him in charge, and when he's been on, you know, untouchable. But at the same time, to have that superstar, they don't need that superstar. No, and, Brady, and Brady's become a superstar in spite of not having the talent around him, you know? So, conspiracies, rants, statistics, we've done them all. <laughs> but let's get to the game. So, how's this much, We haven't talked much about, uh, about, uh, about the Rams no, at all. No, no. So, how really talk about the Rams. How do the Rams beat the Patriots? Um, well, I think you, you need to get a bit more out of Todd Gurley. Well, I think that would be question, a start. Yeah. What, what's going on with him? Um, I think... I think I said before the championship game they needed to they needed to run it and take the take the take the ball away from Jared Goff, not let him worry about it. And they needed to run it and run it and run it again. And as it was, they didn't really in the end. And Goff actually helped them uh, over the line. But I think again in this, you've got to look at your you've got to play to your strengths. Your strengths are running the ball, and your strengths are controlling the clock. And I said before the before the, the game between New England and Kansas City, that Kansas City would need to score forty points to beat New England. And if they had scored forty points, they would have beaten New England, but they couldn't do it. I don't think that we're gonna. I don't think it's gonna be as high scoring. And I think if if LA can control the clock, I think if you can get if they score thirty points, because I think LA's defense is is more likely to get to Brady. I think Brady's gonna probably spend more time off the field. Um. So that makes it imperative that they try and control the clock. And you've got to get more out of Todd Gurley. And if you do that, I think they've got a good chance. I'll make no crack about making sure you've got the right officials or anything. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll give up on that. Let, let's yeah, talk serious about the game. I think you're absolutely mm. right. Best way to beat Brady is to keep him off the field. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So I run, I run, I run, I run, and I just keep going. Trust in the fact you've got a terrific kicker. So if you're running, running, running and you're just coming away with three points in the first quarter, first half even, don't worry about it. Just get you know that scoreboard moving along. So from that point of view, I think I think they'll be outcoached because mm. I think it's hard to outcoach Belichick and his staff. Wade Phillips might make the difference because he's been there, seen it, done it, he's got the rings. And therefore, he'll have worked pretty hard and I think he'll have his defence really well marshaled. They'll have stunts and schemes that will try and get to Brady. They've got to go after him, I think. I, th- I think they've got to, and I don't see why they wouldn't. Mm. They've got the players capable of it. Yes. they proven. So why not just do it? I, I mean, I'm a great believer in sport. If you are the underdog, and they are the underdog, you are expected to lose, and they are expected to lose, go down swinging. I would rather go down in a blaze of glory than a, a half of mediocrity. So I'm not talking about being reckless or stupid because mm. I think, you know, there's a line. But game plan that you're confident enough to go and win it. And I think they can get, a, because of the quality of the defence, the quality yep. of their line, go after it, be confident. I think Wade Phillips is that confident type um, that they can do that. The game will change on a couple of big plays because most of these games do. I don't envisage a blowout. If you were to tell me the Rams were going to score 30 points, I would probably say they will win. Mm. I don't think they will get that far. But I think it's a fascinating contest. You talked about the odds. You know, there's a two and a half point spread at the moment. And I think most bookies are fairly sensible. Oh. Um, 
Because let's be honest, if somebody had said to you at the start of the season that the Patriots were going to face the Rams in the Super Bowl, Brady against Goff. Now, Goff wasn't brilliant last year. He was all right. You'd probably be thinking, well, there's going to be a 10, 14-point spread in this one. There's not, and I think that... But Rams have got to go for it for me. I think Charles is absolutely spot on. So an interesting statistic, and I mean, I get that the Rams is a different defence to Kansas City, but against Kansas City, the last time the Patriots were out, they didn't have a single negative run or allow a single sack. It's a different beast completely, and I think the player for the Rams who's perhaps most important, rather than be on offence, is NFL Scotland's Defensive Player of the Year, Aaron Donald, Mm. who, if he can get through that line, and if he can get to Brady and just keep Brady having to be on his toes all the way through the game, Brady will make bad throws and mistakes because he's not perfect. That's going to be the way. And like you say, it's getting him off the field. I think the game against the Chargers, they came out and it was the longest first drive in Belichick history. And then they came out against the Chiefs the following week and did an even longer one. So the record didn't even last a week. Um, and what they did was they game managed those two games perfectly against two quarterbacks who could score a bunch of points so we'll just keep the ball we'll burn some clock down we'll march down the field we'll score a touchdown brilliant you know um, they've been sat in their bum since the warm up for a considerable amount of time and those quarterbacks are coming in into having to start neither of them started particularly well although actually to be fair Phil Rivers did eventually get down there and get a touchdown but it was brilliant and it was man-managed. So I think Aaron Donald, for me, has got to be a, a huge player in this. Mm. If you look at Goff's numbers through the season, and you know, there's a lot of questions. That I still think there's a lot of questions about Goff. Um, is he a great quarterback? I think he's good. I don't know that I'm ready to call him great yet. But if you look at the statistics over the season, he threw 32 touchdowns compared to Brady's 29. He had one more interception than Brady did, 12 to 11. Goff threw for 4,688 yards to Brady's 4,355. Uh, Goff's passer rating for the year was 101.1 to Brady's 97.7 so the numbers are saying he's good um, but this is a different cauldron this is a different beast altogether sitting in his first Super Bowl in Atlanta uh, in a noisy indoor arena and we've been there we know what it's like now we find they've just been in the Superdome it won't be as loud as that but will the pressure get to him? I, I think if they take the ball out of his hands I don't think that will unduly make make much odds actually that's why you've got to run so if there's something wrong with Todd Gurley then well if there's something wrong with Todd Gurley then then the pressure is on um, I mean, you mentioned uh, Zerline who's obviously going to you, you can knock him over from 60 yards yeah and they've obviously got someone who can you know, a few fake punt ideas up their sleeves and I don't think Belichick's going to be stung yeah. by that like uh, although there's even some the teams about, before yeah. you know? Zerline might have a slight foot injury oh, so it will dear. only train on Friday but apparently that's been the norm so it's oh, all well. all the usual week before chance so Johnny we'll Hecker come on down question mark around that one I, th- I, I mean if if I think you've got to persist with the run I think you have to I think it, it, what was interesting about if you go back to the the defence if the, if the, the Rams defence plays to its maximum potential then you've got a game and you look at actually the number of times that Kansas City had them third and ten in the fourth quarter and they couldn't close the deal. And there's more talent there for Wade Phillips to utilise to keep Brady off the field if they get to a third and ten. Now, if you get a third and ten, it's because there's something going wrong in the first two downs. And that means that they're not perfect, yeah. New England. They're not perfect, but they know how to get the job done. The question is, you think that they're going to be out coached? 
that comes down that's why actually Wade Phillips is probably more important in this than Sean McVay because he's been there before he's been around the block as a head coach he's probably the best defensive mind in the game and he's got to know at what point you'd win your blitz when you're not and then if you do keep Brady off the field I think you just keep buying away with the run I think you've got to keep buying away with the run even if you're in a de- deficit at the start of the third quarter because if you start giving it to golf then you're the, you can't put the game in his hands until you absolutely have to roll the dice because you've got to stick with your strengths and they've got McVeigh's got enough ideas in his locker enough tricks and you know mixing up a bit that's that's why he's there and that's why everyone is hiring head coaches McVeigh light yeah because he's got that capacity to mix it up a bit and if he can keep the pressure off his quarterback then I think that they have a chance and you mentioned Wade Phillips I mean the blueprint for it comes from they contained a much better quarterback mm. in in Cam Newton mm. when the Broncos played the Panthers and to be honest the Broncos didn't really have a quarterback. You know, they had somebody on their last legs uh, who managed the game. And I think it was the work that they did on defence, you know, to, to neutralise Cam Newton and the Panthers. And what was a low-scoring game. So I think if he can repeat that, then and I think I say, and there's no way anybody can convince me Goff is a better player at this moment in time than Cam Newton. Bearing in mind, he's a Panther, and I'm a Saints fan. So there's, there's a lot for me to say that, that, you know... So I think, you know, Phillips, yeah, I, I, I probably hadn't thought it in those terms as, yeah, Phillips is probably more important than McVeigh. Right, it's prediction time then. And at this point, I'm going to mention our upcoming competition with McBookie. So McBookie have kindly put £100 cash on the line uh, as part of this competition. We're also going to throw in an exclusive NFL Scotland hoodie. Uh, Basically, what we're looking for everybody to do, this is completely free to enter. You do need to be a UK resident and over the age of 18 to win this. Um, To get the cash from McBookie, you will need to open a McBookie account. But it's not a free bet or anything like that. It is £100 cash that they're going to give you. Um, so basically what we want from you is we want the winner of the game we want the first touchdown scorer and we want the winning points margin so 50-50 on the first 1 in 10 on the second and goodness only knows on the last but um, what we will do is if anybody gets all three right they will win it if multiple people get all three right they'll all go into a draw if nobody gets all three right then everybody gets two right will go into the draw so we're going to start with our guest, Paul, because I think that's a cruel thing to do. So what we want is winner of the game, first touchdown scorer, and point margin victory. Ooh, which way the, the coin flip's going to go? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, thinking Belichick, I think he'll want to do what he's done and establish a lead early and pummel them into the ground. So I'm going to say uh, the first touchdown is going to be Sony Michael. Yeah. New England are going to win. And the differential, is that the yep. third category? Uh, I would say six points. Six points. Paul? Well, it's interesting because this might shock a few people. I'm going with the Patriots. <laughs> could never have seen that coming. I know it's a bit left field. Um, I'm going as well with Sonny Michel because I think the run game's important. Uh, points margin? 18. Ooh. Oh, 35-17. Oh, she's getting really specific. Um, do you know what? My head totally agrees with you. 
100%. And that's where my head was going, and I've been battling with this. But you've both just sat there and said the Patriots, so there's no way in hell I'm doing the same thing. So I'm going for the Rams to win. I'm going to say that Brandon Cooks is going to score the first touchdown as he lights up that secondary and destroys them. And I'm going to say that the point differential is two. I think it's going to come two. right down to the wire. And I think Greg the Leg is going to win this game for the LA Rams. So that's where I'm going. I have to say, I, I hope it's a really exciting game because you yeah. want any final mm. to be really, really exciting. And, you know, all our podcast listeners, everybody's going to be up, you're up, you've got your food and everything. You, you want it to be a great game. I don't think it will be. No. no I'm going to on a limb and say, I think the Patriots take control of this. Uh, and it, yeah, yeah, it's not out of bitterness. I genuinely think they're the better team. So I think that's the way they're going to go. I mean, Bill Belichick, off the top of my head, is something like 225 and 79 in his 19th season. He's just a genius. And, you know, so are you. Yeah, like, I, mean, I mean, he's 20, 29 and 10 postseason as Patriots head coach. He's 5 and 3 in Super Bowls. To me, he just has all that experience and, and he'll come in and, and, and win another one. So do keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages for that official McBookie competition. We'll post up a special tweet and get you to reply to that one. Um, so, you know, don't jump into that one too early. We will get details out. But £100 on the line, thanks to McBookie. Absolutely brilliant from them. We thank them very much. Um, and we'll be sure to be chatting about them more, I guess, in the postseason and into next season as well. They've just launched the new website. It's looking great. So get on there, check it out. But you mentioned food there. So we're going to move away from the Super Bowl, sort of. Because food at the Super Bowl is an important part of this. Oh, yes. You know? Um, now, there's a few people who have put this stat out there. And I think it's fascinating. But I'm going to hat tip to the NFL show, which, of course, Nat Coombs is our good friend, Nat. Um, they've posted out that the average consumption at a Super Bowl party is 2,400 calories. Wow. Per person. Per person. And estimated... 325.5 million gallons of beer will be drunk and around 1.5 billion chicken wings will be devoured. Now, I believe that 1.5 chicken wings, nose to nose, gets you from Seattle to Boston and back again five times. Wow, that's a lot. It's a lot chicken of chicken wings. Is this, is this, just before you go on with your stats, is this taking into account the fact that the beer deliveries in the Midwest at the moment are being suspended <laughs> because of this, <laughs> this is polar a good, vortex? A good point, a good point. Which well, could be an absolute nightmare <laughs> for everybody <laughs> north of Kansas. Let's stop piling weather. <laughs> Get your beer in now. But I thought, fantastic stats. Uh, food's important. We were chatting about this earlier on our Twitter account. Some people got in touch. I'm going to look up those tweets just now. But guys, what do you eat on Super Bowl Sunday? What's in the fridge? No, um, I think it's I think nachos. Got to be nachos um, with a varied supply of uh, dips. Mole, as it's known to my four-year-old son. <laughs> Where's the mole? Um, and all the others combined. Every kind of colour of dip under the sun and... A few IPAs that are in the fridge. I, I stick with the nachos and a bit of chilli on top. Yeah, I mean, I like, like the chilli nachos. Was it Phileas Fogg had the corn chips yeah, for a good. while? Yeah. They, they were great. They were they were the staple for years until you couldn't find them anymore. Mm. Um, so always a, we always have hot dogs. Uh, and one year I went out and got chilli infused hot dogs just in a, in a can. Nothing fancy about it. Just about blew everybody's heads off. They were incredible. <laughs> they were so hot. A uh, little bit of pizza, of course. You've got to have a bit of pizza because mm. that, you know, that also go down well. And it's interesting... Ben, so, <coughs> I don't want to uh, 
plug a particular kind of ice cream, but uh, an American kind of ice cream from, I think, New England, Vermont, I think they're from. <laughs> okay. Um, which is particularly good with many different flavours for for, uh, for a pudding as well. But the chilli is particularly hot. Yes. <laughs> I have to say, and this, this might strike you, I've never thought of Super Bowl Sunday as a pudding day. No? No, never. Every day is a pudding day. <laughs> what? Donuts. <laughs> Donuts for me have to be a oh. staple. There's one guy that comes to my Super Bowl party every year. This is now my ninth year in a row of having it. Every year he's brought donuts. So that's now tradition. It's locked in. He doesn't yep. even ask. He's bringing the donuts. It's done. Do you know what? It's safe. Um, I think the mistake we made one year is a dogs for us is big. Uh, chicken wings big. Pizzas sometimes made an appearance on those lots. Sometimes go overboard and then I end up eating it on the following Monday. That's never good. Um, my wife at one point got given ghost chilies for her uh, Christmas. So did a vat of chilli for the, the, the norm amongst us. And for the brave, a small vat of chilli with ghost chilies in it. Um, yeah, the tears were as painful as it came in as it went out again. That was uh, brutal stuff, let me tell you. So we won't be doing that one again. But I wanted to give a wee shout out to two people in particular that got in touch with us on Twitter. Captain Fiasco on Twitter. She got in touch to say that she does a chilli cheese dog um, dip thing, which is basically little cocktail sausages wrapped in pastry in a circle, baked with cheesy chilli in the middle of it. It's pretty decent. That, yeah. that, that's genius. That's genius. Paul Turnbull's been in touch with the buffaroni pie. Oh. Buffaroni, right? Mac and cheese. So it's a, a pie, like a scotch pie, with mac and cheese, with buffalo wing sauce, with chicken and bacon. That sounds tremendous. I'm going to show you guys just a little photo. I there. wonder whether we could maybe encourage a few um, football grounds in the Scottish Premiership to introduce I, that. I, that would go down very well, wouldn't it? It looks absolutely <laughs> stunning, and I would certainly, yeah, I, yeah, I, I endorse, I to get the I endorse that, that message. I, yeah, I, I think the only way you could make that any more Scottish is to put it in a roll. And then you're completed. <laughs> Tremendous. So yeah, big important thing. Do keep your Super Bowl pictures coming. We want to see what food you're going. Do you know what? At some point, I've got ambitions that we're going to do some kind of Scotland NFL Super Bowl recipe book. So keep them mm. coming. We're going to collect them all. Um, but we'll be sharing the best of them. We want to see what you're eating on Super Bowl Sunday. Right then, just before we wrap up, then any news items uh, that have been tickling your fancy? Well, can we start with Mr. Goodell? Yes. And. Um, his apparent admittance that we are no closer, in fact, perhaps further away than ever from a franchise in the UK. I think it was was that earlier? That was earlier on. Yes, um, that was today. That was today. Um, probably not a surprise, but the fact that he's actually come out and said it, I guess, gives everyone a bit of clarity, doesn't it? From the point of view of how how did they move it on? I mean, there's four games this year. Perhaps maybe there'll be half a dozen in a couple of years' time in the UK, and they seem to be really investing in it. But the fact that they've essentially said that there is no prospect anytime soon of a franchise here—it's quite interesting. Where you know, that he was quite happy to talk about that today. I thought. I think there's a couple of things here. One, I think it's good news. Mm. I don't want to. I've always said I don't want a franchise over here. I think the joy of the London games and seeing different teams is great. It's what keeps it fresh. Apart from the Packers. Packers, your team, your team will come eventually. Somebody will drag them away over here. Um, so I think Lambofield might be like ten feet under ice, even at the start next season. Them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they probably wouldn't be able to fly into the UK because yeah, yeah. we've got an inch and a half of lightly dusted snow somewhere. Um, losing my train of thought. Now. Yeah, sorry. Now, that's, that's, um, so that, that's that was one thing, and the second thing 
will come back to me in a second. The the interesting news. I like I like that. I think you're right though. I think you are right that, that it's nice that that you do have that mix every year. Yes. Different, different teams are coming, and I guess the danger if you have a franchise here and you establish it, and the team doesn't win yes. initially straight away, you can actually lose that momentum you've built. I think the other thing that that I do remember was they were trying to almost create another television window. Mm. I think that was part of the idea out of this, that you can have an early window in the States. Now, there's a couple of problems that they found with that. One, people like the pre-game shows on both CBS and Mm. Fox. A large percentage of Americans still go to church. So actually, missing games doesn't help them from that point of view. So that was also proving to be unpopular. And the third thing is that there is only a certain amount of football you can watch in a day. And I think what you find is if you watch the one o'clock game... Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I think what they find is if you watch that one o'clock game, the four o'clock game, you've got that natural break and then you've got the Sunday night football Mm. if it's a game that interests you. The two afternoon games are the traditional ones from the point of view that people like to sit down and, you know... And just watch those games. And if the Sunday night football works for you as well, obviously it gets big ratings. To clunk in a third game early in the morning when you've got other things on, they're normally not the greatest of games either. And as I say, what the TV companies are finding is that the ratings are lower than their normal Mm. shows. And if anything is going to count, it's the television ratings. If you're taking off your pre-game show to show the Browns playing, you know, the Rams, and it's not working for you. You're not going to, and you're basically going to say to the league, no, we don't want that 16 times or 17 times a season. We'll take it three or four, you know, two networks each, we'll we'll take a wee hit. But I think that's going to be the biggest strike. Yeah. I mean, we we put this out on Twitter earlier on, and there's been numerous people got in touch. Uh, Rather than read them out, I'll basically say that not one person is disappointed to hear that we're not soon to be getting a yeah. UK-based team. And I think the general theme is that people like the variety. People like the fact that they get to see their team. Obviously, it's one of those things. You Right now, most of the people that are NFL fans already have a team. Yes. Not everybody, but most do. Um, they're not likely to change just because there's a London team. And certainly, the further away from London you get within the UK, the stronger that feeling is going to get. The, the NFL are doing great. The international series is clearly a thing. They're playing games in Mexico again. I saw one thing tweeted by someone that I thought was fascinating where maybe what they do is they extend the season by one game and every team plays an international series game. And then that way, no one's having to give up a home game. But over the season, you splice them in. And actually, you could still do four in London. You could do one in Germany. You could do one in Mexico. Good Goodness only knows. Yeah. So maybe they might start looking at how do they expand because they definitely want to grow the market. So the TV ratings is one thing, but if they can get more people abroad spending money on tops and T-shirts and travel and tickets and things like that... We'll see which country country they go to next, actually. I mean, I'm amazed they've not taken it to the Far East yet, I have to say. Japan or China. Yeah, I mean, there's a natural next step, wouldn't it? There is an NFL China, Mm -hmm. and I think the NFL supported them with an event over there. Um, There was a guy involved with Ember Wolves who ended up going over there to work as a TV editor, and Peyton Manning was out there at one point, out in China. So, you know, they're, they're pushing into markets. They want it. They, and, I mean, it's global. It really is. It's fascinating. Um, but, yeah, the general feel on Twitter is just, yeah, the, nobody, nobody's disappointed with this news. No, definitely not. And I don't think there'll be many people disappointed that Rob Ryan 
has been announced as a coach in the Washington Redskin ranks either. Um, I think a lot of people like him. I think they like his flamboyance and I think like to see him back in the game. He's come across very well, I think. And I think he's been brilliant. He's been as well. brilliant on Opening Sky. up the, yeah. the kind of the, the depth in terms of the, uh, the analysis that defensive coordinators yeah. go into. And yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a very savvy guy when he talks. And, he, he, you know, I think it's... Uh, Sounds like a pretty smart fit there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, say, I think people will be delighted to see him back in. I think he's done brilliantly. His, his best moment on Sky this year is when they came back from the unscheduled. There was two breaks back-to-back and he'd already got the Big Mac and the and the can of juice in there. <laughs> and they came back to the studio and he's just hiding it, trying to put it all... You know I mean? But as well, leaving it going, hey, we're caught. We need going. to eat. Busted. <laughs> we're here for a substantial yeah. amount of time. We need food. Uh, other Washington news, of course, is that they don't expect Alex Smith to play at all in the 2019 season obviously there's been photos of him uh, nasty looking obviously when you see the spikes going into the oh. leg it's always nasty uh, side effect of the fact that he's had those infections it's been difficult he's got a long recovery ahead of him we wish him well um, but Washington's looking for a quarterback mm. Yeah. so I'll be interesting to see whether that's Flacco certainly in the air Foles perhaps I don't think they would would, you, would they go for Foles and He's he, he's looking for a big contract, isn't he? A multi-year contract. He is, and uh, th- would Foles go within the division? Oh, I think the Eagles one. don't want him to, yeah. but there's only a certain amount of control that you've got. I think they're on such good terms with Nick Foles, I think they could probably... Because remember, they, they just gave him a million bucks when he just fell short of qualifying for it, but it might have been Nick. You might not be with us here next year. There's a million bucks, but you ain't going in our division, mm. OK? In fact... You're going to the AFC now. <laughs> Thanks very much. Because, the, you know, that's the kind of thing. If somebody said to you, look, we're going to take the NFC off the table for you, but we'll give you an extra million bucks. Ah, fair enough. Brilliant. So we'll be back again next week as well. But that concludes everything then for episode 39. We hope you've enjoyed listening. And again, we'd love to hear your feedback, good and bad. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Scotland NFL and on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Scotland NFL. Thanks to all of you who've been listening, sharing and chatting about the podcast. We continue to see the numbers grow every week. We've hit through 3,000 on Twitter. Please do keep sharing the podcast with all your NFL friends and continue to let us know what you think. Remember to take part in our Super Bowl prediction competition in association with McBookie. All the details will be on our Twitter and Facebook pages. We'll be back next week to review the big one. Can the Rams overcome the might of the evil empire and take the Lombardi back to LA? Not a chance. Good luck to Tom Brady and to Bill Belichick and everybody in Boston and New England. We're right behind you. Thanks to Charles for joining us. Pleasure. Remember to tune in to Off the Ball on BBC Radio Scotland this Saturday from 12 o'clock as Cameron will be chatting all things NFL with Stuart and Tam. We'll be back next week, but until then, have a great Super Bowl Sunday. Bye for now.